Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome back to another season of Talking with Traders with me, Garth McKenzie. This is the sixth season of the podcast, and we're into our third year since the podcast began in 2020. Once again, IG have come on board as sponsor and agreed to fund this podcast for another season. We really are privileged to have such a global leader in CFDs trading as our podcast sponsor. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing various guests from around the globe to bring you their market insights. I'll be digging in to find out what makes them tick, how they see the markets in the year ahead, and what techniques they will use to succeed in the markets. Some of the guests will be returning guests from previous seasons, and some will be new guests that I've managed to convince to join me to give up their time and share their insights. As we enter 2023, there's as much uncertainty as ever around where the markets may be headed in the next 12 months. We've just come off a horrid year for investors in 2022, where a typical 60-40 portfolio delivered its worst annual return in several decades. But what of 2023? Will the US lead the world into a global recession, or will the central banks manage to achieve a soft landing for the global economy? Will inflation come under control as base effects kick in and supply bottlenecks open up? Will US earnings hold up in the face of a weak economy, or will they disappoint? Will we see continued weakness in the US dollar? I'll be asking these and many other questions to my guests in the coming weeks. The idea behind these podcasts is for you to get a variety of views from a broad spectrum of market professionals. None of this is intended to be seen as financial advice, but it is intended to get you thinking and to weigh up what possible paths the market may follow in the year ahead. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified of upcoming episodes as they get released. Once again, thanks to IG for sponsoring this podcast for a third consecutive year. Thanks for joining me, and please enjoy Season 6 of Talking With Traders. Welcome back to another episode of Talking With Traders, and this week we've got something a bit different. It's uh, We're going to be talking about carbon credits, carbon allowances, and my guest is called James Heal. He's based in London, and he is the CIO at Transition Net Zero Advisors. Uh, James, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hi, Garth. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, thanks very much. It's good to have you on. Uh, as, as I always do with a new guest, James, just before we get into this topic, which I think is a very, very interesting topic, uh, talking about carbon allowances and carbon credits, I always just like to get a little bit of a background into the guest. So if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, just in like a minute or two, a brief background, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of what we're going to chat about today. Yeah, sure. Um so, so, so I spent about 30 years working in, uh, for a number of investment banks and fund management companies. Mm. Uh, I spent most of, uh, most of my career uh, investing in technology companies. Um, and then sort of more latterly over the last 10 years, uh, combined that with investing in, uh, in energy uh, amongst various other sectors. Mm. And... Um, I mean, I guess I came to the realization about five, seven years ago um, that the answer to the current climate crisis and uh, the energy transition uh, lay in technology. Mm, mm. 
And so uh, having sort of hit that road to uh, that road to Damascus moment, um, I decided that I'd try and set up my own shop again. Uh, so I'm currently the founder and CIO of a startup hedge fund uh, that invests primarily in equities that have technologies that enable the energy transition and carbon allowances and carbon credits. Yeah. Okay. I know from the the, the the chat that we had before this off air, um, you know, you, you've got a vast knowledge of all of the various new renewable energy components in this transition to a net zero world. Uh, obviously, for this podcast, we decided we're going to keep it to to discussing carbon allowances and carbon credits. Uh, I'd love to get you back onto the podcast to discuss more issues at a later stage, things like electrification and uh, you know electric vehicles and the components that go in to that and lithium, et cetera. But I think for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to stick to the, the carbon credits and the carbon allowances because it's something we've not discussed on this podcast before. And it's something very, very interesting. Uh, I've had to have a little bit of a crash course in it after <laughs> chatting to you briefly before the yeah, but when we were setting this up, um, I've subsequently watched a bunch of YouTube videos and gotten to try and get my head around what these are. But for the listeners who are uninitiated, can you give us a bit of a background into what a carbon credit is or what a, a carbon allowance is, and how does how did they come to being? Why did why did they exist? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a whole, whole set of good questions. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's worth taking a little bit of a step backwards because um, I mean, the reason I invest in these carbon assets is because I think it is it's an emerging asset class. Yeah, um, it's not particularly well understood by most market participants, mm-hmm. um, and. And, and, and carbon or greenhouse gas emissions. And so through this conversation, um, I think we should use those uh, terms as interchangeable. So right. greenhouse gas emissions being carbon and methane and various other uh, sort of pollutants. Yeah. Um, but, but most participants in the, uh, uh, in the economy um, have never paid a price for the carbon that they emit into the atmosphere. And you started to see over the uh, last t- almost 20 years, uh, governments are beginning to attach a price to carbon. So either directly penalizing emitters or creating incentives for uh, companies and organizations to uh, remove carbon directly out of the atmosphere. Right. I mean, this is obviously important because it's uh... – it's all about climate change and the, the fact that we you know, through through these greenhouse gas emissions we're effectively heating up the environment and 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 that poses massive environmental risks right so this is it's almost like an existential threat for for us as a human species on the planet if we want to really stretch it a bit uh but hence the need to try and really uh, get on top of this get on top of greenhouse gas emissions and co2 emissions yeah yeah, no, absolutely. And so, so if you go back to the uh, Paris Agreement on uh, climate change, then you know they they set a binding agreement to restrict global temperature rises to you know uh, a, a, a maximum of two uh, two degrees above pre-industrial levels. Yeah, and the mechanism for doing that is controlling the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that go to, uh, go into the atmosphere. 
And so your point here, so they're called greenhouse gas, gases because they act like a, uh, uh, these emissions act like a, a greenhouse and trap heat, uh, 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 trap heat into the atmosphere. Mm, and okay. you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm simply the biggest sources of greenhouse gas emissions are uh, transportation and 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 agriculture. Yeah, uh, agriculture principally being methane. Yes, um, and, and so you know, you know, governments and organisations are now setting aside policies to restrict the amount of greenhouse gas emissions, and heading to this concept of net zero is you know, sort of, you know, no, no increase in the amount of greenhouse gas emissions going into the atmosphere on, a, uh, on an annual basis. Mm. And, 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 and so I, I, and this has then resulted into you know, the formation of two types of assets, uh, carbon assets. So you have carbon credits on one side, and then you've got carbon allowances on the other. And it's important to distinguish between those. Okay. Um, and, and, and I, I, I mean, again, I think the other definitional point that's worth bearing in mind is um, each, each one of these allowances or credits is associated with one ton of greenhouse gas emissions. Right. And so that's 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 the sort of the unit of uh, a unit of measurement. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so, if you think about carbon credits, and perhaps we'll deal uh, deal with that one first, because it's a uh, they're basically a financial instrument that allows individuals or companies to offset their carbon footprint by investing directly in projects that reduce or remove greenhouse gas emissions at, uh, out of the atmosphere. Right. And, and and so as an example, I mean, if you go onto the, you know, uh, we're based here in the UK, but so if you go onto the BA website and book a flight, mm. then, you know, before you get to checkout, it will ask you if you want to offset your carbon, your carbon footprint, you yeah. know, which will be about, you know, sort of two, uh, uh, two units for transatlantic flight, for yeah. example. So- and, and, it's 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 so interesting that you just mentioned BA and that that's un, unprompted by by me because when I was preparing for this I thought let me go and try and put this into a context that a, a listener would understand I mean what how, how do you what does the, the the greenhouse gas emissions look like how how can we put this into a terms that uh, listeners might understand so I got these examples I thought a, a flight from London to Paris one way. Typically, and this is obviously an average with an average aeroplane and assuming the aeroplane's full, I suppose, um, each individual passenger effectively is is emitting 122 kilograms per right. passenger, right, on a flight like that. A flight from London to Dubai, 860 kilograms of CO2 emissions. And a flight from London to Johannesburg, where I'm from and where I fly back to from time to time, one way, 1.4 tons of CO2 emissions so that that kind of put it into context for me just the the amount of co2 emissions that we're talking about here um at british airways when i looked it up as you said they, they emit according to wikipedia if we can believe it is 18.4 million tons of co2 per year yeah was the latest number right so i mean this is what we're talking about now you said that the carbon allowances and carbon credits are priced um per ton yeah what is the typical price of a ton of CO2 now? Well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not saying uh, 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 that, that's a very complex question, but, but yeah. 
But, but, but if you go back to that carbon credit element, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll answer the question. Yeah. Then they come to in, uh, into existence because, you know, let's say you or I decide uh, uh, over a large lunch, we're going to, uh, we're going to plant a forest. Yes. And uh, having decided to do that, then we can issue carbon credits associated with the amount of carbon that that forest will extract out of the atmosphere right. over, over a period of time. Okay. And, and, and we will issue those carbon credits to buyers, and they are typically either companies or individuals who want, want to offset their organize, organization's carbon footprint. And the price of those, I mean, it's highly variable because it depends on uh, the, the quality of the asset. Mm. Um, and but range from anywhere between you know one dollar a ton to twenty dollars a ton. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I mean, uh, I would exercise a huge degree of caution in this particular area because it is um, pricing is extremely opaque. Yeah. And the auditing of the carbon uh, uh, absorbed by these schemes. Um, is uh, um, yeah, is highly variable from from scheme to scheme, right? But but you do have a number of organisations that have coming into existence. So the uh, schemes called Vero and Gold that uh, do a very good job in terms of trying to regulate and audit the quality of those carbon assets, and then you have a number of exchanges. Uh, springing up around the world, where you uh, where you can go onto those exchanges and actually uh, uh, buy those carbon uh, carbon credits, sh- uh, should you wish. Yeah, but but I, I but I would caution that actually, um, it, you know, the, uh, the audit and regulation of that market is extreme is uh, uh, is nascent, right? Uh, and and will develop over time. But yes. so so hence that widespread <clears throat> of one to twenty. Okay, but but um, I mean the, the the carbon allowances that are traded because that, and this is what the kind of topic is about and where we're wanting to yeah. go with this is the things that are actually tradable. Um, there are futures, carbon yeah. credit or carbon allowance futures tradable on yeah. exchange. There are exchange traded funds, effectively, are they ETFs or is it an ETN? Yeah, uh, uh, there are a number of ETCs, ETCs, and uh, and, yeah. and, and ETFs out there. Yeah, yeah, as well. yeah. And and, and 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 these are. Uh, I, I mean, I was before we do that, it's possibly worth talking about. So, so we talked about these nature uh, nature based solutions, which are carbon credits, and let's yes. sort of park that to one side for for the time being. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you then then had the other uh, development around carbon allowances. And these are basically government-sponsored schemes, of which the biggest and the oldest is uh, in the uh, European Union, right. and it's some, and it's something called uh, the EU ETS, um, ETS standing for Emissions Trading System. Okay, and this is an attempt by governments to basically give permits or allowances for industries or companies in industries right. to it to emit carbon into the atmosphere okay and I, I mean, the scheme was first introduced in uh, 2005 um, and has been through a number of various it, uh, uh, iterations since then okay. um, 
and is a, I mean, is an extremely large and uh, uh, and 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 liquid market. Yes. Um, so, so, so I think the um, yeah, there's about five hundred million tons of um, uh, 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 traded carbon allowances on on top of another 500 million tons or so of um uh, uh, issued carbon allowances okay. so, so 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 roughly there's a billion uh, uh, there's roughly a billion um uh, carbon allowances issued by the EU uh, the number's slightly lower than that this year okay. it's around 8, 8, 8 to 900 million okay so a billion carbon allowances a bit, is that a billion tons that's so that would equate to a billion tons of carbon okay per year uh, uh, per year, and, and and so if you, so if you think about that in the global context, I mean the world emits something like fifty eight billion tons of greenhouse gas emissions a year. Yes, uh, the EU emits about four billion tons. Okay, of uh, uh, it's actually a bit lower than that now. It's about three and a half billion tons of uh, 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 carbon emissions a year. Okay, okay, and and so now the EU then because they're the regulatory body, right? Uh, well, I presume that, that issues these allowances. Yeah. And and from what I understood it when I when I read about it, I think there's a, what about eleven thousand companies in the in the eurozone that yeah. participate in the scheme. So those those one billion tons of of carbon allowances are then divvied up amongst those eleven thousand odd emitters, yes. right? So they're each and I, and I guess each one you know depending on the industry that they operate in are allowed X number of tons. I mean, if you're an airline. Or if you're a steel plant or a power, uh, you know, coal-fired power station or whatever, these are all the big offenders in terms of emitters. But some are more emit more than others. So I yeah. guess the, the the rules then are that each each of these businesses in their various industries are allocated a certain number of tons that they're allowed to emit yeah. up to a maximum. Right? Am correct. I am I correct in my understanding? Yep, yep, right. no, I, I'm not absolutely spot on. And 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 the industries covered are pre- predominantly the heavy emitters. So, you know, these are the power uh, power generation utilities in the EU. They're mm. steel and cement. Uh, the, the latest iteration of uh, of the scheme uh, uh, bought uh, bought airlines into it as well. Yes. Um, and, and but effectively covers forty percent of uh, 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 the EU emissions. Okay. Okay. Now, in terms of understanding where the the trade in these uh, allowances and these carbon credits comes into play, I guess uh, you know without taking the the thunder away from from what you're going to say, I suppose. But I'm just trying to think in terms of understanding here. These emitters yeah. are are allowed to emit a certain amount, certain number of tons per year yeah. of CO two or greenhouse gases, right? If they go above that. They are penalised. So, so, if they go above that, they are either fined, right, at at, at the cost of a uh, hundred euros a ton currently, right, okay, or they can go into the market and buy surplus emissions from uh, from companies that aren't using their uh, uh, their allocation. Okay, all right. Or, so, or, so, or they, or they can go down the route of investing in decarbonisation technologies. Yes. To reduce their, uh, uh, to reduce their emissions. 
Okay, so if I'm understanding it right, let's just think of an example here. So maybe you, you've got an airline like a British Airways, right? They're an emitter. I, 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 I'm next to it with the utility because airlines have only just been introduced into the scheme, oh, and, right. and, and, and and actually they're really complex. It's really complex to think about okay. the airline element. Okay, so let's let's then look at a utility like an electricity generator. Yeah. Um, they burn fossil fuels to generate electricity. Correct. But we're also seeing a lot of uh, electricity producers starting to move more and more towards green energy, so solar and wind, etc. Now, if they're able to reduce the amount of fossil fuel that they're burning and replace that energy generation with solar and wind energy, I guess it could come out that in the end of a year, they have emitted less carbon into the atmosphere than what their allowance would have been. And is that what then gives them the, the credit that they can effectively sell on to other emitters? Uh, and, and not quite, because this is done on a plant-by-plant basis. Okay. Uh, and is rigorously audited by the EU. So, okay. if, you, so if you have a coal-fired power station... Right. And you know you are going to emit... 100 tons of co2 this year or, or that's what you admitted last year yeah you you will be given an allowance to cover a certain element of that okay um and and and, and the interesting dynamic about this eu scheme is the number of available allowances issued every year is on a falling trajectory right and and so for the next couple of years I think it's falling by about four points at a rate of about four point two percent per annum. Okay. And so, so if you're going to admit a hundred tons this year, and that's the allowance you were given, mm. next year your allowance will only cover ninety six tons. Right. Okay. And so, so that's where they're effectively enforcing or trying to force these emitters to emit less to be more correct. environmentally responsible. Correct, uh, and, and that is on a uh, sort of site by site basis. Yeah, and so it incentivizes companies to either reduce emissions by changing the product mix, or it uh, uh, or to put in decarbonisation technologies, or 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 or, or, it, or 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 pay a fine. Yeah. Okay. Or, or go into the market and actually buy a an incremental carbon allowance that that enables you to uh, uh, emit more. Okay, and that's really what the crux of this discussion is about: is that thing that you can go into the market to buy that allows you to emit more. Um, that's the that's the carbon allowance. Yes. That you can go into the market and buy. So let's it, it, just to continue with our example. You've got the electricity generating utility on the one side that's now doing solar and wind energy, and they're emitting less than what they effectively were allowed to emit in a year. But then yeah. on the other hand, perhaps you've got a steel plant that's burning furnaces like crazy, and they're emitting more CO two into the atmosphere than what they were allowed to. So they would then go along and instead of taking a fine, which is, as you said, 100 euros per ton yeah. of yeah. emissions into the atmosphere, they could go and buy a, they could go and buy the allowances that therefore, that, that will then, I guess, uh, prevent them from getting that fine. Yes, correct. And, 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 and so if you think about the way the market is structured, so um, you know, roughly half of the allowances are issued 
for free to to the emitters. Yes, which gives which gives them a base uh, a sort of base coverage. Right. And if you know if you are on that path of decarbonizing your production process faster, that uh, then then you end up with surplus allowances that you can go on and sell them to the market to somebody to uh, to somebody else who isn't on that journey. Okay, so an example of this that some some of the listeners might be familiar with is is Tesla. Oh, that's a company that yeah. has in the past been accused of making all their profits out of selling credits and yeah. not really selling, not making profits out of selling cars, um, and be that as it may. But that's an interesting setup because they are obviously you know, seen as the the greener uh, party right. in 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 all of this. So they can then go and sell those credits to to the likes of power generators or steel producers or whoever decides that they need to buy them in order to to hedge themselves yeah. against the fines that they would otherwise get for emitting. Yeah, and and if my memory serves me correct, I think Tesla sold their uh, their uh, their surplus credits to Fiat um, at, at, at a price of something like five five hundred dollars a quarter. So, okay. So, so, so it's a big number. Yeah. And 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 I think the motivation from the EU to set up this scheme was I want to reduce carbon emissions, um, uh, uh, and you know they're currently, you know, versus the uh, I can't remember the year of the benchmark, but call it two thousand. Is is it and the new uh, the new version of the scheme is to reduce emissions by sixty three percent from that baseline number, and and so. By, by attaching a price to carbon, which is in effect what they're doing, they're either they're incentivizing companies to decarbonize yeah. at a faster pace. Yes, uh, and yeah, and for a second, when I put my equity hat on, then you know I think underst- understanding the pricing of carbon and who the winners and losers in that are is actually you know, will become a key source of alpha generation going forward. But mm. you know, we can uh, we can talk about this uh, 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 about that next time around. You know, uh, uh, I think for the for the for, for the purpose of this conversation is you know as as an investor as a trader, I think you've got a highly liquid asset now. That is so. If you look at the, you know, the EU market, it trades something like seven hundred billion euros worth a year. Right. Okay. Gosh. Uh, um, so, so it's highly liquid, and you've got a market construct where, because of economic growth, effectively demand for carbon allowances is going up, mm. and because of the way the EU have structured the market. You know the supply of carbon allowances get, is going down at a rate of just over four percent per annum. Yeah. You know, so, so you've got an element of rising demand for these carbon allowances and falling supply. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, over the years since these things have been uh, in existence, the price I've noticed has gradually had a general upward trajectory. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's uh, uh, so, so. The price quoted in Europe today is around eighty-five euros a ton. Yeah. Um, have having yeah. I, I mean, over the last two or three years, has gone up from twenty euros a ton uh, uh, over that period. Um, it, you know, there was a period. So, so when the scheme was introduced in two thousand and five. Um, you know, it's worth bearing this in mind. I mean, the price of carbon allowances effectively went to zero in 2008. 
And that was mainly because economic activity in the EU collapsed because of the, uh, because of the GFC. Right. And the market was just flooded with surplus allowances. Yeah. So, so, so from that period, the EU uh, re-engineered the scheme to create a market stability reserve in which they could take out excess allowances every year and hold them effectively in treasury and, and or release them at future periods and or cancel them. Okay. We saw an, an interesting sort of dip in the price of these carbon allowances as well during the COVID period. I saw on the chart, um, obviously, that also yeah. due to uh, far less economic activity and therefore, I suppose, far less demand for them because the emitters and Correct. industry is in general also ground to a halt for, for yeah, a large I, part. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, there is clearly a degree of economic sensitivity in here. Yes. Uh, and then obviously over the last, uh, uh, as well over the last year, 18 months, as uh, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict has unfolded and uh, gas supply into Europe became quite scarce. Hmm. And that forced a lot of the power utilities to um, uh, 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 generate more power out of coal. Yeah. Uh, and coal emits about twice as much uh, CO2 per unit of uh, energy as a, as, as a ga- combined cycle gas power station does. Right. And, and, and so, you know, uh, uh, so you saw the reverse happen uh, under those particular circumstances. So, yes. so, so, so when you look at this market, you know, I mean, you've got to think about a number of things. Economic activity being one of them, yeah. you know, the relative price between coal and gas be, uh, uh, being another, yeah. and then you know, I think the third thing you need to think about, and this is the one I spend most time worrying about because I've no idea how to answer the question, is politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, this scheme was drawn up in Brussels by uh, 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 by some great European politicians, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, politicians do crazy things every now and again, and so you could wake up on a Monday morning and find they've cancelled the scheme. So, okay, unlikely, yeah, I, I would I, imagine. I, though, I, I, I mean, highly unlikely yeah, given yeah. You know, but, uh, a trajectory and commitments to the Paris Accord and various other bits and pieces. Yeah. But yeah, that's for for me, that's the big right tail risk that one's taking yeah, on when yeah. when looking at this particular market. Sure, I guess I'm just thinking aloud now. I mean, I guess another political risk or area where the politics could come into it and could throw a cat amongst the pigeons in this market is if they decided to raise the fine for emitting so from 100 euros to whatever 120, 150. Does that would would that in itself be a sudden kicker to the value of these these carbon allowances? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, absolutely, but I, 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 I'm not 100% sure of the answer to this question. But I think that fine is incremental to the cost of the allow uh, uh, to an incremental allowance. Okay. So, so it's not pay the fine, but you don't have to buy the incre- incremental allowance. I think you have to do both. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, 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 but, but, but also bear in mind, I mean, this is a this is a big revenue generating scheme for the EU. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the EU last year uh, generated um, over thirty billion euros of revenues out of this scheme. Okay. Of, of uh, uh, which it, which is then passed on to the various member states, of of, of which they are uh, obliged to spend half of that revenue on energy and climate initiatives. Yeah, because that's it. I mean, this is where obviously the the economic interest needs to meet the environmental yeah. intention of this whole scheme. Yeah. So correct. yeah, that 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 would make sense. 
Just going back to the the, the, the carbon allowances that you said are currently tra- trading at around about 85 euros per ton. Yeah. Where does one trade these? So um, th- th- they are traded on the futures exchange. Okay. So, so it's predominantly a futures contract. Um, and then there are a number of uh, um, uh, ETFs um, uh, and or an ETC where one can trade uh, uh, trade the physical of them. Okay. Um, so I... I mean, I think we are, we're allowed to talk about this because this podcast is uh, sponsored by IG. But I, it mean, is, I, I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I hold my uh, futures uh, 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 carbon emissions uh, um, uh, assets uh, through through the IG index, right? Um, and you know, if you go into the IG search button, it would sort of search carbon emissions, mm. and it comes and it comes up with the contract. Mm. I've done um, that. I've done it on my yeah. IG because I mean, I, I also obviously trade through IG, and this you're quite right. This podcast is indeed sponsored by IG Markets, um, and and yeah, I mean, I also went along and had a look, and there is the product there. The one I looked at was the Spark Charge ETC, uh, which is the, it's London yes. listed, right? Yeah, and uh, it, it, this code is CO two. Which is yeah. quite an appropriate share code for that thing, uh, and it's available. It's there to trade, so you can trade these as a retail investor, as a retail trader. Yes, and, and, and so Spark Change is a relatively new organisation. I mean, I came across them about four or five years ago, and they've they've basically converted the futures contract into into a physical contract. So, uh, so that Spark Change physical carbon. Is a is effectively a listed equity, okay. And um, you know they, they they claim they claim it's cheaper to own the physical equity than the futures because you don't pay for the roll in uh, 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 in December when the uh, when the futures uh, okay. the underlying futures expire. Yeah. And, do do and, the futures themselves only expire in December of each year? That, so there's far, only one expiry per year. As far as I'm aware. Okay. All right, I, I, and then there were not. I mean, I mean, it is worth saying. I mean, there were a number of other uh, schemes like this around the world. So mm. um, there's a similar scheme in California. Uh, there's a scheme on the east coast of the US called Reggie. Okay. Uh, New Zealand has a, uh, a carbon uh, a carbon trading scheme, which is very which is very similar to the EU one. Okay. Uh, and uh, um, and I mean, the the UK now has one having uh, post Brexit, okay, and, and and then the various other government schemes uh, appearing around the world. I think South yeah. Korea, uh, China have just na- uh, pulled together all of their regional schemes into a mm. national scheme. Mm. Uh, it, m- m- most of those are materially less liquid. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at you know crane shares, for example, I'm one of the large ETF pro- uh, uh, providers. Yes. You know they they have a number of ETF related around California or Reggie in the US okay. and a couple of combined global ones. Okay. All right. So there's a lot of these things available yeah. around the world to trade, but the one that you focused on obviously is the European one, which we spoke about, and that is the oldest market, as you've said, and it's the most developed market for trading these carbon allowances. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did notice when I was doing my research is that this is it seems to be a product that's very much developed world product. Um, so the, and all of those geographies that you've just mentioned are predominantly developed countries. Yeah. And when you look on the map, you see that there's none, nothing like this in India. Uh, there's nothing like this in Africa. Yeah. 
And I mean, India is obviously a big emitter as well. Um, Africa, to a lesser extent, I guess, because the economic activity there is a lot less than in the developed world. But I mean, if I think back to uh, my home country, South Africa, there are a couple of big emitters there. ESCOM, the national power utility being a big one, which operates a lot of coal-fired power stations. Although lately with load shedding, I don't think that they're <laughs> emitting too much. <laughs> Half of the stations don't seem to work. Um, be that as it may. And then there's another one is Sassel. Sassel is the big, the big oil company in South Africa is also a huge emitter. Um, mm. So I guess it's, it's, it's encouraging to see that the developed world is picking this up and taking it forward. And there are economic incentives for companies to try and be more green in the way that they operate and to emit less of these CO2 emissions into the environment. Uh, but I guess from a planet's perspective, we want these types of schemes to be all over the world. We want to businesses to be incentivized throughout the globe, not just in the developed world. Yeah, I think so. I, uh, you know, from a from a uh, philosophical point of view, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm the world that doesn't care where yeah. where a ton of carbon comes from or yeah. or, or where it's uh, sequated to. Right, mm -hmm. um, it goes into the atmosphere and it stays there. But but clearly, uh, the developed world has been responsible historically for most of the greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. Yeah, uh, I guess so. They've been the most economically active, so I suppose yeah, that makes sense. I, and and you know, philosophically, it's only fair and reasonable that uh, the emitter should uh, should pay the majority of the price. Yes, uh, and and if at the same time, I, I, I mean, this is you know, one of the underpins to my to my equity uh, thought process is you know by 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 attaching a price to carbon and forcing companies to decarbonize, you're also forcing them or you're for, uh, uh, to develop technologies yeah. that enable decarbonization. And, mm. and whether that's wind or solar or nuclear, or whether it's you know, car, you know, direct air carbon capture schemes or whatever, you know, I, you know, I don't think it really matters, but actually yeah. I think it's, you know, it creates an economic incentive to develop those decarbonization technologies, which, yeah. should, be be which should be beneficial for all. I, 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 I'm, for me, the interesting one is China, because you know they, you know, they, you know, clearly uh, um, have been on that development path, you mm. know, taking a lot of people out of uh, uh, economic po uh, poverty as they've uh, mm. uh, as they've been through the journey, mm. uh, burnt a lot of coal in the meantime, but actually, you know, are also at the forefront of you know solar development. Uh, they got you know uh, 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 very rapidly developing uh, uh, wind businesses. I think their power power systems are rapidly decarbonizing, but they've also put in place a a, a, a national carbon trading scheme. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's good news. Yeah. I'm just thinking hypothetically here now with my financial trader's hat on. Uh, these these products, these carbon allowances, are freely tradable in the market. So yeah. as are any futures contract. I mean, you know, I can go and trade maize futures, for example, even though I've got no interest in ever taking delivery of a ton of maize. <laughs> um, and, and similarly, I can go and trade these carbon allowances uh, purely for speculative purposes or investment purposes. Not yeah. ever, I mean, not that I'm an emitter, not, not in any great scale, let's say. Uh, the, 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 where I'm leading with this question is that if – financial participants start to get involved in this for speculative purposes does yeah. it run the risk that it the whole thing gets you know crowded out by the financial 
participants. Could, in other words, could could a hedge fund or a big participant come along and corner the market for these carbon allowances? Is that possible? Um, I, 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 I'm clearly in theory, yes, right? Okay. Um, is it too big? But- I mean, is the market too big for that? Well, I'm I, I financial players today from the last data I saw were around between 10 and 15% of the market. Okay. And I, I, I mean, interestingly, um, the, you know, the regulator's view of financial players is if a financial investor owns a carbon cre- allowance, yeah. it means a, an emitting utility can't. Right. And and that is good news. So you're effectively removing a carbon allowance out of the free float. Correct. Okay. Uh, and so actually, I'm I, I mean, yes, one's clearly doing it. an element of one's why one's doing it is to generate a financial return. Uh, but actually, you, uh, by doing it, you're also in theory accelerating the decarbonisation journey. Yes. Now, yeah, I'm the size of the market. I mean, clearly, if an extremely large uh, 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 investor decided to uh, try and corner this market, uh, I think you'd need to be spending a couple of hundred billion dollars to do so. Right. So it's proper proper money to do it. it. Yeah, it's it's certainly bigger than my fund. So, (laughs) (laughs) but but but. I mean, I'm just thinking now, is there, I, I guess, let's just say hypothetically that were to happen, that the price was pushed up and up and up. What, what that then means is that, okay, it's more expensive for uh, an emitter to buy the protection. Yeah. But I suppose also it's, I guess, is it governed by the leg, the amount of the fine as well, to some extent? Well, well, well I think what then... What then would happen is this market stability reserve. So these allowances that are held in Treasury will actually get released back into the market. Okay. And uh. and, and, and uh, there is a strict uh, pricing formula uh, that dictates as and when those uh, 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 those Treasury emissions uh, allowances can be uh, can be released. Okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, it requires a, a quite a quite a high carbon allowance price. Over an extended period of time, but something like six months, right? And a seventy-five percent increase in the average price of the allowance over that six-month period mm. for that for that uh, for that release mechanism to kick back in. Okay. So, right. so, 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 this market stability reserve is actually, as well as giving a degree of protection on the downside. You know, it is deliberately designed to you know uh, to stop those spike in prices. Right. Okay. And, and, and 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 if you go back to you know the sort of uh, Russia Ukraine uh, uh, gas situation, then you know there were certainly uh, 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 some very uh, vocal voices, particularly from Poland, who rely very heavily on coal uh, coal fired power generation, mm. uh, to try and limit the price of the carbon allowance. Because they felt it was being one being distorted because they were forced to burn coal because they couldn't get access to gas, yeah. but also potentially because of uh, the sort of financial speculators. And actually, the EU did uh, uh, quite a lot of detailed work at that point in time to try and work out what the the exact role of financial speculators in the market was, and they decided there wasn't much to, uh, uh, wasn't much to be seen. Okay. All right. Interesting. But as you say, it's not very widely known yet. So perhaps that comes at a later stage where yeah. you get more and more involvement from outside yeah. players who are not yeah. necessarily there for the for the right reasons. 
Yeah. You mentioned that there are a declining number of allowances each year, something like minus 4% each year mm-hmm. um, and that, 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 are, that are released. So, and, and, and you also made the point that that introduces an element of natural scarcity, but at the same time, you've got demand. So yeah. it's quite interesting because that surely in itself then must mean that there's a natural upward bias to the price for these allowances over time. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, that's my, uh, 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 that's part of my thesis around this is that yeah. you know you've got a falling rate of supply that's relatively predictable, so four point three percent per annum decline between twenty twenty four and twenty seven, right, and then four point four percent per annum uh, from from twenty twenty eight onwards, mm. uh, and 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 the entire mechanism of the carbon price is to create an incentive to uh, uh, to decarbonize mm-hmm. and, and 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 I think the way you should think about it is as you know the emissions that get taken out today are are sort of the low hanging fruit right i you know if it's going to cost only cost me fifty dollars to take out a ton of carbon out of my manufacturing process, I'll invest in the technology to do that rather than spend eighty five uh, uh, eighty five euros on the allowance. Yes. So, so, so I do those easy bits first, but then obviously as you go into next year, well, you've taken out the easy easier bits, and now you've got then the slightly harder bits to do. Right. Uh, and 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 so so as the number of allowances shrinks in the market. What you end up left with is, an, is a smaller number, but of harder to decarbonize units. Yeah, and okay. because they're harder to decarbonize, the, the relative cost should therefore be going up as well. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so I think so, so I think it's a combination of those two factors: yes. you know, falling supply, rise, rising demand, and and a rising cost curve of de- decarbonization over time. Yeah. Okay. So you're bullish. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, I think the market construct here. I mean, politics aside, you know, I think uh, uh, you know the EU now has almost a twenty-year track record of being able to prove that this scheme works by attaching a price to carbon, penalising emitters, forcing investment in decarbonisation technology, reducing the low-hanging fruit, and we're left with you know harder-hanging fruits to go and tackle going forward. Yeah. And, and on a, I mean, I, my, my strategy on carbon is, is 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 a buy and hold one by and large, right. but I think the price of carbon is materially higher in five years' time than it is today. Mm. I, I'm the forecast out there of around you know sort of 150 euros a ton in a couple of years' time. Um, you know, there were some outliers well above that at around 400, 400 euros a ton. Okay. Um, my own personal view is I think it's somewhere between the two. Yeah. Okay. And it's 85 euros a ton at the moment. So even if yeah. it gets to the bottom of that range, 150 euros a ton in five years, that's a pretty decent return. Yeah. And if it's if it's higher than that, it could be a, a phenomenal return. Very interesting. Mm. All right, we're getting towards the end of our our allotted time for this uh, recording, James. Uh, last thing, where second last thing, where where can listeners learn more about carbon allowances? Uh, I mean, look, I, I can say that I've had a crash course in it from speaking to you and also from watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos, which there are some very interesting YouTube videos out there, I must say. But yeah. uh, where else? I. I, I- I mean, the first place I would start was actually go to the EU website. And so if you go to 
I think it's www.climate.ec.europea.eu, okay. yeah. then that takes you to basically the summary page of how the EU ETS is constructed. And, yeah. and 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 it goes through in some pretty dry terms. All yeah, you know, uh, um, I think most of the things you need to know to understand, particularly things like you know the market stability reserve mechanism, and you know that sort of uh, uh, how uh, government programs like uh, fit for a uh, uh, fifty-five fit into a uh, 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 fit into the system. Yeah. So, so so that would be the first place I would go. Okay. Um, I, I I mean you know. I give a plug uh, to somebody else, if I may. But the, 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 there is a carbon fund in London yes. um, called Carbon Cap. Okay. And the only thing uh, uh, these guys do is actually uh, uh, is invested in carbon uh, uh, carbon markets around the world. Okay. Uh, and, and they actually have a, you know, a, a pretty good library of some of the some of the, their historic research notes, which are okay. you know, which are well, which are well worth a read. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That, that, and also, that, that's not a plug for the fund because I, because I've, uh, I, uh, I've no idea how well Mike is doing, but I think, uh, but it's yeah, but it's in there. the right place. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. Okay. And and of course, if you're a retail trader and you're wanting to participate in this, has interested you, you can go onto your platform and be at IG Markets or another one and look for that CO two uh, yeah. fund that's listed in London, uh, the Spark Charge ETC which yep. is effectively a fund that mimics the performance of these uh, these carbon allowances. All right, excellent. And lastly, James, how can listeners follow your work or get in touch with you if they're interested in this or if they decide they want to invest in your fund? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so we're a relatively new fund. So we're, you know, we are fundraising. We're always open to uh, people to give us new money. So you can find me at uh, uh, netzeroadvisors.co.uk. Okay. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at JDS Heal, uh, or on LinkedIn as uh, right. as James Heal. James um, Heal. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. All right, super, James. Well, it's really been a pleasure speaking to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, I've yeah, got a lot more questions that I could ask, but obviously we're governed by time <laughs> on these podcasts. But it's a very, very interesting topic, and this is a very different podcast to anything I've recorded before. So I hope the listeners will enjoy it. I've certainly found it very, very interesting, and it's sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole of wanting to learn more about this. Uh, and as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it'd be nice to get you back to talk about some of your other areas of expertise, talking about electrification and other aspects of green energy and the green energy transition going forward. Great. Pleasure, Thank, Garth. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.